will take care of itself So just leave time alone Welcome once again to the Pick Up the Tempo podcast. This is episode 30 with Kevin Russell. Shiny Ribs, formerly of the Gourds. Kevin Russell. Kevin Russell. So, uh, we're going to hear a song from Shiny Ribs, Donut Taco Palace. At the end, we'll hear Doug Psalm featuring the Gourds, Get a Life, which was of uh, it was essential part of the Austin soundtrack, at least when I got to Austin. So... If, you, if you've lived that life, you've probably heard this song. If you haven't, then enjoy Doug's song with the Gourds Get a Life. So this was fun. Uh, sat down uh, with Kevin and discussed many, many things. You'll hear Kevin singing Conway Twitty and talking about his next musical ambition. Uh, we'll discuss Doug, Psalm. We'll discuss Dr. Lucard. But all of that has to follow Donut Taco Palace. Um, uh, it's it'll, it'll be obvious, but my... Uh, my three-year-old soon to be three-year-old uh this is her this is her jam she loves donut taco palace so sitting down with kevin russell had to had to begin the conversation that way so uh we'll hear the tune donut taco palace from kevin russell shiny ribs then an extended interview with kevin russell wrap it up with doug psalm and the gourds kevin russell pick up the tempo podcast here's donut taco palace
five, six, seven, eight. Okay, so my my three year old daughter would um, would be very upset if I didn't ask about the Donut Taco Palace, which has become her <laughs> favorite song. So, uh, so. Uh, how how does that come about? I mean, it seems seems like that's a pretty <clears throat> obvious thing, but I guess maybe describe the Donut Taco Palace. Well, it's uh, the one I know. I mean, there's several around Austin. It's a chain, local chain, but uh, the one I know is over off um, Industrial Oaks Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. I've I always <laughs> loved it's that like, road. what is an yeah. Industrial Oak? <laughs> Uh, it's near uh, Clint Small Middle School, which is where uh, my oldest kids went to middle school. And so I used to live in Oak Hill over there in that part of town. And uh, so on Friday, especially, for some reason on Fridays, we would go to school early and get them tacos at Donut Taco Palace. It was just a tradition. And uh, anytime I drove by that place or went in that place, um, and it's this tiny little joint and they got you know, a, a counter with donuts. Then they have pre-made tacos and they're not, mm-hmm. they're, not great. <laughs> they're not great tacos. It's just quick. It's cheap. It's easy. You know, it's, it's a lot of workers and families go in there and it's, yeah. <clears throat> so that's what I tell people, you know, I try and make clear to them that I'm not really necessarily celebrating the product as much as the name. Uh-huh. The Donut right. Taco Palace, I think of it literally. If you had a palace made of donuts and tacos, that's how my brain works. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm really on about. And uh, and some of the stuff I list in the song, they don't have, actually. I, I was just trying to make, make a song out of that. Don't know talk about palace. Because that would always be in my head. I'd drive by that place, and every time for years... That chorus was in my head, right? And uh, I was like, I gotta write a song with that one. Day. It's just because it never leaves my brain. So it it would, you know, it's very sticky, like donut. And uh, <laughs> they do have a donut taco though, uh-huh. so oh. which I've had before. And I would not suggest it because um, <laughs> it's basically like a, a non-sweet fried bread donut. Uh, like a torta, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but with taco fillings, and it's just so heavy because the wow. bread is like fried, like donut bread, right? And then all the donut filling—I mean, the taco filling. So, I ate it once when I was recording uh, okra candy. I, you know, we were recording donut taco, so I bought a donut taco for that session. So, I would have that in me when I was singing it. <laughs> And? <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it worked. I mean, your daughter will be right, a, exactly. a testimony to that fact. For sure. <laughs> so does that mean, did you, did you try okra candy? Is there, is there such a... You know, the okra candy thing happened because I think I imagined it. I don't know. Um, I was at a, a, a health food store with a bulk section one day, and I was getting into all these dehydrated vegetables that, that you can buy now. And uh, so I, I saw the okra. It was dehydrated okra and... I swear it said okra candy on there, and I bought it, and uh, and I liked it, and I went back for it the next time, and it, it just said uh, uh, okra chips. Mm-hmm. So, and I asked the, one of the uh, team members there, <laughs> uh, did they ever say okra candy? And he's like, no, man, no, no it's I'm always said co- okra chips, dude. <laughs> but I'm always, I'm gonna call the record okra candy anyway, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so I guess I imagine it. Maybe I saw okra chips and I just thought candy because those are related. So uh, this it seems to be not not to read too much into well, one song about one restaurant, but um, safe to say that you don't um, 
like abiding by musical rules or can can live without them is that a, is that safe enough which seems like uh like you you can make music and write a song and do anything about anything right absolutely yeah yeah i know i i mean i i live by most normal rules you know i'm not like a a heathen or a barbarian or anything but i i don't like to follow a lot of rules especially unwritten rules and things that are just that you see that I, Sometimes I, I'm like everybody. I have rules for myself that I seem to have created over time, and I don't know where they came from or why they exist. And so when I encounter those things, I, yeah, I don't like. I like to to violate them. <laughs> <laughs> so especially in music, you know, that's my world. And and with lyrics, you know, I've always been an experimental writer. Um, uh, I, I think it stemmed from picking up records and sleeves and records when I was a kid and reading the lyrics and just thinking how horrible they were. Mm. You know, some some lyrics you read and you're just like, yeah. It's t- I mean, you know, when you put music to it, it's pretty good, but <laughs> when yeah. you read them on their own. And so when I started writing songs, I I felt like I wanted to I wanted to write lyrics that would stand up on their own too, that would be good by themselves. I think that's what it came from is just reading really bad pop lyrics when I was a kid. Yeah. And even as a kid, I knew they were bad. <laughs> right. And it's, I mean, I think probably everybody who is creative at all, like, uh, uh, feels this somewhat, but it's kind of dumb to then say musical style. This is this style, this is this style, this is this style. Like, if the whole point is to create something. Oh, I know yeah. everybody says that, but it seems like it's a harder thing to execute maybe to... Than, than it is to just talk about. Oh, I, yeah, and I don't think about... I mean, I'm a fan of music, so I understand styles, and I love certain styles of music, but I, for myself, I, I, it's one of my most hated things is people ask you what kind of music you play. You're right. like, music? Right. I mean, right. what, what other kind of music is there? It's music. So I understand where they're coming from. Like, I, If I played jazz, then I could say I played jazz. Right. And there are things I do, I think, that are jazzy you know they have jazz elements to it i mean i i I improvise all the time live and i you know i i work on rhythmic phrasing singing and and i play off of that all the time i Mm -hmm. change that and and that comes from a jazz sort of mentality but i mean for me i'm a fan of all music and i mean there are certain musics i love the most most of it is american roots music um so I, you know, I, I like to incorporate all that stuff in there. You yeah, know? I've always thought maybe I would one day be in a a country music cover band, uh-huh. <laughs> just play like seventies and early eighties country music. <laughs> uh-huh. But I don't really think I could do that and stay sane. But I, I, I dream about it sometimes. Huh. So I, 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 I talk to Haybell about about singing for them sometime. I might go down there one Sunday and sing a song with them. Because <clears throat> that, 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 yeah, I do love that era of country music yeah. so much. What would the What do you think the one song would be? What, what's your What's your dream country song? Oh, it would have to be probably a Conway Twitty song. Oh. I don't know if it'd be, <clears throat> you know, Linda. I'm lying here with Linda on my mind, you know, or something like that. I mean, probably a Conway Twitty song or a Gary Stewart song. Yeah, you know, that stuff yeah. is great and. But I, I love the cheesy stuff too. Like <clears throat> I love T.G. Shepard and uh, 
Freaking, uh, what's his ass? Uh, oh, Earl Thomas Conley. There's yeah. some early 80s stuff. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. It's so sappy. Right. I know what it is, but I love it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you're right. And that's, I know we're in the same boat because sometimes we'd be like, what do you not like about this? I don't like this, I don't like this. But wait, did, does this have layers of keyboards yeah. and background yeah. singers? Yeah, but yeah. I still, I it's still, still there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, so. I, I passed the uh, Gentleman Jim Reeves Memorial in Northeast oh, Texas yeah. the other day. That was a, that was a trip, yeah, put me on cool. Jim Reeves. Yeah. Um, so the, so with Shiny Ribs and the, and speaking of musical genres and all that, you seem like you've got like a, a pretty big grab bag of stuff with this band as far as horns and background singers and mm-hmm. whatever kind of you want to do. Is that, is that the idea to just be able to do kind of whatever strikes either for records or performances or yeah i mean that's the idea now i mean i certainly didn't set out with that yeah. idea it, it turned into that it became that um just by happenstance really um so but now that we exist as a group <laughs> i mean i have all these elements and that the people that are in the band are all professionals great musicians who are incredibly uh, versatile mm-hmm. on their instruments, and so uh, you, you, I really can do anything. And <clears throat> that, that sometimes I have to check myself because I could go off into like obscurity and just mm. become self obs- obsessed with my myself and the weirdest, coolest, you know, stuff that I want to do. But I mean, I know I got to keep it palatable, so. Oh. <laughs> So I think I think in my early days in the gourds, my songwriting kind of went off on a, a, a way too self indulgent thing. I mean, I got really off into just surreal, crazy lyrics. You know, I went as far as I could. Uh-huh. That was my idea in that band. And I'm not I, a lot of it's great, but <clears throat> I think as I've gotten older, I understand people need they need to understand what's going on. You can't you can't mess too much with people's minds or, uh-huh. or they just turn off yeah you know so you have to there's a lot of subversive stuff i'm doing and uh but people love it because they can relate to it I, I, it still surprises me a little bit because because it, it is weird what i do uh-huh it is weird but it's also fun it so, surprised it surprised you that people relate to it yeah yeah and the people that relate to it i mean uh-huh. um you know the Gourds days, like nobody in uh, East Texas would have ever. They they didn't like the Gourds. They would they, you know they yeah. never, wouldn't care. But like this band, people understand it in like East Texas towns, like Beaumont, my hometown, uh-huh. for instance. We do great there. Uh-huh. Older crowd, they love it. They they because it's entertaining, it's fun, and it's carefree and the weirdness of it they just seem to accept and appreciate. I I don't know why. You know I'm glad they do. Because I I love it, but um, I'm, sometimes it still surprises me that we've done as as well as we have, especially in uh, certain parts of of Texas, yeah, in Oklahoma, yeah. So are you are you glad that you did um, the way out stuff? Um, I mean, at some point, that even that uh, you you glad that you went that far out there at one point? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I don't regret anything. I, <laughs> I, I'm glad I did. I mean, I just did what I. I didn't think about it. I just did it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had an idea, and, and uh, now I go back sometimes, and some of those tunes are really great. And I, I regret a little bit the lyrics. Like I feel like I was a little too uh, 
maybe lazy about the the arrangement and the structures of the songs and I could, I could have worked on them more and got them better but I I feel like I, maybe I wasn't lazy but I was um I was just hasty. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's uh-huh. that's the one regret I have some sometimes. I mean, and you know some of my old fans they disagree with me because they like it as it is and Yeah, so it is what it is but um there, there were some really good songs that could have been better. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know. Huh. That's what's when I write songs now, I do I do think about it a little more. Uh I I mean it still is a, a spontaneous thing, it just happens, but then I well, I go back and I'll arrange it and I'll think a little bit more about the lyrics and maybe try and make it a little more narrative because it's another thing I discovered is humans like narratives. Uh, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> Stories. Yeah. <laughs> they don't just like fragmented images layered on top of each other like I do. <laughs> I mean, I get stories from fragments, you know, that's my mind is how it works. Like Donut Taco Palace. Right. That all, that's how my brain works. But most people's brains, I found out, don't work like mine. (laughs) So if you can string it together a little bit. All right. Novel. Yeah. Yeah, I need to, I need to process it a little bit. (laughs) Like cheese, you know? I've been uh, <laughs> I've been on a bit of a uh, Grateful Dead kick uh, lately, mm-hmm. and it seems like one of the big takeaways from my guy who, who you know this is uh, the band's been picked apart totally. But mm-hmm. it's like just the idea of like this is fun, yeah. right? This is music, mm-hmm. and this is fun, yeah. and so hope you have fun. Like right. that's yeah, it's it's seems very simple, but you, you hardly mm-hmm. ever put it, you hear it put that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good explanation of the dead, you know, cuz I mean when I was younger I I didn't understand that at all. I didn't get the dead thing and musically I didn't I, I mean it's such a vast thing that they were doing. Uh I mean they covered so much ground and I, I by the time I came to it I'd already been I'd came out of country music and through punk rock and mm-hmm. I was very rigid and uh, I didn't just didn't get it, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, it took me some years in knowing some people who, you know, kind of explain things to me. And then listening to it, you just have right. to listen. And like you said, it's fun, and you just go into it. It's 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 a big fun house. Yeah, yeah, it's accessible. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, Austin, Texas, right? I imagine if uh, you've got to get it all the time about, like, what was it like versus, then versus now. But why, why does it... Um, why does it still work for you in the 21st century? And uh, can you can you... Can you do the music thing in Austin these days and uh, do it the way you want to do it? Well, I, you know, I, I try to imagine sometimes being a young person coming here. And I know some young musicians who are here doing it. And it's still the same, you know. I mean, it's more expensive. So the economics of it are problematic. So you have people having to work two and three jobs where... I had a little pid- piddly little yeah. job. I didn't have to work at all hardly, and I had cheap rent. And you know, I, I think if I would, if I was, you know, twenty three years old again, coming, I wouldn't come to Austin. I would go somewhere mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. That's cheap. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it was a, a lucky moment where the music scene and everything was lined up pretty nicely. And the economics of it were cheap. So, um, but I mean, there's still great music going on here all the time, and it still attracts those people. They want to be here. People come here for different reasons now, I think, than they did, you know, let's say in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, like 
So, and it's also a, a long-standing tradition that everybody gets to talk about right. old Austin and right. the way it was. Because because when I came, you know, they were already talking about the armadillo, and they, right. you know, I was already missed 20, 30 years yeah. of old old Austin, the gay place in the early '60s. Yeah. You know, I mean, Austin's had so many. It's just an incredible city that's had an incredible history uh, for a lot of different reasons. But uh, and you can go. You can just go as far back as you want. Right. So you know that's the joke is, is is uh, you know the Native American right. standing on the. <laughs> right. Oh, you guys missed it. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys missed it. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Coman- so, the Comanches are having the same yeah, conversation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you know that, that that's kind of the joke, and and so I don't really. Co- I mean, I've been here for thirty years, but. I don't really consider myself old Austin, but I mean, to, relatively yeah. I am. But when I came here, we were the new people. We wow. were like the new wave. And uh, it was like me and I know Scrappy Judd and all those Loose Diamonds guys, Troy, they all showed up about the same time I did. And I've met a lot of people that showed up around, yeah. you know, 91 or so when I got here. And, uh, you know, and, and we'd already missed it. <laughs> right. It was right, over. Right. <clears throat> you know, the 80s was like a really depressed time here. Yeah. The real estate market was uh-huh. was gone and everything was boarded up. And when I moved here, <clears throat> they were still like in South Austin. I mean, it was cheap rent and a lot of houses were boarded up. There was no wow. there was nobody in them, you know, and like you could wander the neighborhood at night. And it was, you know, some streets were really sketchy over there. Like there were certain streets I just didn't go down cuz yeah. it, it was it was kind of scary. You know, like people partying out in the houses in the yards, uh, loud, and you didn't know what the hell they were doing. So well, I'm gonna steer clear of that one. <laughs> but it was great too because nobody bothered you. You know, we just did whatever we wanted. I mean, there was no restaurants. There was a few Mexican restaurants on South First there, but that was it. You know, uh, and some, you know, a couple of tattoo parlors, and yeah, there really wasn't much food. And or anything. I mean, it's just amazing to me now, like the amount yeah. of stuff that is going on down there. It's incredible. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I wish I would have bought that house. I could have bought the house I lived in. I had a little house on uh, Wilson Street, not Wilson, but uh, um, was that Wilson? No, it was on South First and oh, West Annie. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. South First and mm-hmm. West Annie, right where the neon place is. Uh huh. So that was abandoned. That little neon place was just a shack, and there was a trailer there. That, there's still a trailer sort of there, but the, there was this woman that lived in it, and she was a shut-in. Like, mm. you would see the glow of her TV. You never saw her, though. And she was in there, a, a super obese woman. Uh, she always reminded me of, uh, what's her ass from Hee Haw? Uh, oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember her name. But Big Moo Moo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but so we lived in the house next to it, and uh, which is now like a some kind of French bakery yeah. or a patisserie uh-huh. or something. It is. That's my old house. And uh-huh. so we had, we had, and it's pretty much exactly the way it was. Um, I mean, um, my room is when you, is the main uh, dining room. When you walk into that place, that was my bedroom. <laughs> and then the, where the counter is, is where huh. we hung out. That was our little den <laughs> that we smoked copious amounts of weed in and uh, watched, you know, football and played music and, yeah, so that, that that was a great time. It was just like two hundred seventy five a month, split between me and a roommate. So you didn't have to work, and we, you could do anything you wanted. And I worked at a bookstore. You know, uh, you know, didn't make much money, but 
you know, I didn't have to work that much and I didn't need much money and then I could play music the rest of the time. It was a pretty ideal existence. No, now, I, nowadays I don't know. You can't really do that now. So, but there are, but I think the thing about Austin that uh, what I was getting to is that it's still the same. If you're good, yeah, the city will reward you. People talk. It's still word of mouth is strong here. Even, you know, with food, with music, with, with anything, you know, um, people talk, you know, and it's a, still a close knit community actually. And, and, and people are, uh, a lot of people are of a like mind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it's just attracted those kind of people. And, yeah. and it's continued to do that. There's a lot more money here, but I think a lot of the money that comes here is cool people with money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, I mean, I, people will probably disagree with me on that, but that's kind of my, my feeling. And I've, it's treated me well. I've, I've been successful here and I can't say anything too bad about it except, you know, people drive like shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) which i don't know when that happened i mean all texans drive not all texans but a lot of texans drive like shit now and i you can't blame it on anybody but it just happened like somewhere in the early 2000s people got more aggressive maybe it's just a population thing that you get a certain number of people and then people become crazy and they but start, it's real yeah it's, it's real. real i mean all over texas i mean oklahoma's like that people drive super aggressive louisiana but i lived in this area my whole life and people used to not drive like that i mean i was taught how to drive and and i'm not saying i'm a great driver but you know i mean i'm questionable but <laughs> but i mean the basic uh courtesies right. you know like like the passing lane courtesies is, is really the biggest problem is like slower traffic to the right, especially on interstates. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. You use that lane to pass and then you get over it. You know, I still How about don't that. egregiously run red lights? Yeah. Or just don't run. Uh, red. Yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I don't know what's going on, but it, I mean, definitely that's the, that's my biggest complaint about Austin is probably everybody's biggest complaint. So. Uh, this, were you, uh, so growing up in Beaumont was like Austin. Did you ever come here for shows? Was it like the beacon place where like, oh, I, I got to get there? Yeah, it was the beacon place. It was, it was famous. You know, when I was a kid in the seventies, um, so, you know, the whole Willie, Jerry, Jeff, cosmic cowboy thing was going on. And my, you know, people would, my uncle, I remember my uncle, Jimmy, my mom's brother, he was always talking about Austin. He'd play Jerry Jeff records or mm-hmm. he'd play, you know, Waylon. And then, then I had a, a friend in my neighborhood, Malcolm Gaskin, who I looked up to. He was one of the older boys that was more close to my brother's age. And, uh, and Malcolm carried this, uh, this boom box around and we would, he would always be playing music on it. And sometimes he'd be playing Waylon or Willie, you know, and, but he would also play Michael Jackson and ACDC and stuff like that too. So, uh, but anyway, I was I was aware that Austin was where the music was, mm-hmm. and I in my mind I had already at that age I was like that's what I wanted to do that was my dream and to be a songwriter and play music and and I remember I remember my brother would come here for track meets he was a, a track guy so they would do the the Texas relays every year and he came here for for track meets and uh, he would always come back talking about how cool it was you know. And so I, I always knew that's yeah. where I needed to go. It just took me a little while to get here, you know. So, um, and I, I mean, I lived in Shreveport, Louisiana for a while. I finished high school there. My dad, we moved a lot. My dad was in the oil business. and mm-hmm. So we moved, I remember we moved to Shreveport. I finished high school there and started my first bands in, in Louisiana. 
and uh, and sometimes we'd open for Austin bands that would be coming through Shreveport, like the Wild Seeds. Uh-huh. One time I remember we opened for them. That's Mike Hall, who's at Texas Monthly now, Chris McKay, and Randy Franklin. They were all in the Wild Seeds, and uh, we opened for them, and they they dug uh, they dug my band, and they were like, "Hey, man, I remember several of them." telling me that you need to come to Austin. You should get out of here and come to Austin. You know, you belong in Austin. And I was like, okay, yeah, I think so. I, I know that's true. <clears throat> but then we finally met, left Shreveport. Uh, but you know, I had a girlfriend in Shreveport. So I, you know, the speed limit was still 55 then. Huh. And like, it would take forever to get from Shreveport to Austin. So I moved to Dallas cause that was kind of in between the two. And, uh, and so, we played a couple of times with uh, Zeitgeist who became the Reavers, John Crossland's band. I remember John Crossland. He's like, man, you really need to come to Austin. <laughs> you need to get out of Dallas. This place sucks. You need to go to Austin. And so then we started playing in Austin. And, and yeah, when I first started coming here, like late 80s, playing shows with the the, uh, the Wannabes. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that band. But, um, I mean... I, as soon as I walked into yeah. Austin, I, it just felt like, oh my God, this is this yeah. is where I need to be. <laughs> like yeah. they were right. <laughs> I finally know what they're talking about now. So we we then we got here as soon as we could, you know. Definitely a uh, a, a theme for anybody who's listened to a bunch of these has been um, appreciation of Doug Psalm. So I can't uh, I can't let you go without asking about uh, about Doug. Uh-huh. And. Uh, and maybe and everybody's got like zany stories, but it's it's it seems like it kind of somewhat overshadows what he what he did musically. Is that yeah, music? Uh, musically, he was brilliant. I mean, he's he's a genius, you know. And <clears throat> he his first instrument was pedal steel guitar. Mm-hmm. He was a prodigy. Yeah, I don't know, twelve years old or something, playing pedal steel guitar, and great pedal steel player. And that's a weird instrument to play, tricky and. So he was just a natural. Um, and then he went on and he, he sang Swamp Pop and R&B and stuff. And, and, and I mean, I could tell his whole story. I don't know if you want to hear the whole thing. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I didn't know who he was. I mean, I moved to Austin. You know, I'd heard She's About to Move Her. I kind of right. knew that a little bit. But that was not, I, you know, I didn't grow up listening to Doug Song or anything. I didn't know who he was. Uh, when I moved to Austin and then when the gourds formed um, that was one thing that we got compared to was 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 Doug Som and the band you know uh-huh. we got compared to them all the time and honestly that wasn't where we were coming from uh-huh. I mean we were I mean we knew the band but it's like none of us were like that into the band it was like and we didn't really know Doug Som I remember in one of the first interviews somebody from no depression asked, Claude, the accordion player, are you guys like Doug Som? And I, and I remember Claude putting down the phone. He was on the phone. He goes, hey, do we like Doug Som? <laughs> and we're like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so the, but so that's kind of how we started listening. List, we started listening to more of the band, and we started listening to Doug Som. And kind of at the same time, a lot of young, younger musicians around here were getting into Doug Som and it kind of, he had this resurgence yeah. and then Uncle Tubalo, he sang on Uncle Tubalo yeah. record and that really yeah. opened the ears of a lot of us, you know, because that was one of our bands that we were listening to and it was like, wow, 
you know, it just it was a cool thing right. that they did. I think it was a great thing that they, they, they did that with him. And uh, so then, uh, yeah, we started covering Doug's songs. We started, a bunch of bands started playing Doug's home songs. And then he started coming to some Gord shows and I met him. And then we started playing with him, did some recording with him. And got to know him pretty well, you know. Um, he was a super cool guy. And, uh, I mean, he just, he was a natural and he was a, a lifer too. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was, it just poured out of him. And uh, he had so many songs. And uh, I wish he hadn't, wish he hadn't died when he died. It was too young and, and he still had a lot more to do. And, and we had talked about doing more because he had, we had sat with him one time we were at a recording thing and we were killing time and he was just playing the guitar and he was singing all these songs. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, ah, oh, just, just a song I got, man. I got a million of them. I was like, I was like, all right, dude, well, have you recorded that? And he goes, nah, nah, man. I was like, all right, well, maybe we should record all these songs that you've never recorded because they're, they were some cool songs. Yeah. I mean, I wish I'd been recording that moment, yeah. but I mean, his son, Sean, saw him. I'm really good friends with Sean and I've done a lot with him and, um, and Sean is the keeps the torch going, uh, carrying the torch for his dad. I mean, he knows all the songs. He knows yeah. everything. He was right by his dad's side the whole time, mm -hmm. and uh, so he's a, it, it's like next best thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm sure Sean probably has a lot of this stuff. But and I've talked to Sean a little bit about that. But you know, I'm gonna have to go over there to his house and sit and listen to stuff and and. You know, when am I going to find time to do that? Right, you know, right, I just got to right. make time, but I got my own stuff. I got <laughs> that's that's one of those things of juggling real life, right? Know? But uh, but Doug was a musical genius, man. I mean, and what what the great thing he did is he had no rules either, mm -hmm. and that's the one thing I I reaffirm that in myself is that don't you don't 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 stay in one box. You don't have to do it any what any way anybody tells you. Do what you want to do. And to hell with everybody else. Just live your life and love your life and play the music you love. And who cares, you know, if you're playing a blues song in front of a country crowd? Who They'll like it. They don't care. You know, most yeah. people like music. They don't care what kind of music it is. And for those people who really care about a certain genre of music, like, yeah, that's methodical and weird and obsessive you yeah know, you, so. can, you can find it if you wanted it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, let's see speaking of other great musicians of uh um we have a lot of appreciation for dr lou card uh one of my good friends what's uh what do you like about lou well because lou's cut from the same cloth i mean lou is a, a classic american song man you know i mean he's uh he walks the walk he talks the talk <laughs> 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 captain lou captain lou no, nah, we love Lou, and uh, <clears throat> I, I've met Lou through, um, I think he did some sound at Me Night Cat in the early yeah. Shining Ribs days, and he's a super cool guy, and uh, then I, I got to know him a little better when he did a, a tribute thing to the Me Night Cat after it closed, or whatever happened with it, I don't know, it got abducted <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, in a C3 UFO. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, and I got to know him then, and then his records are great, you know. And whenever we go up, uh, they come to see us in, uh, in uh, what's that little place in Alabama? I can't remember what it's called, but uh, a little town in Alabama. Not the, uh, it's not the state line, not the uh, state, no. 
I can't remember That's right now. Joint. I can't right. remember. There's a little place in Alabama that we play sometimes. It's like I have a print shop and a little stage, and uh, I wish I could remember the name of it. But uh, Waverly, okay, Waverly, Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the venue I can't remember right now. But <laughs> I should, but anyway, so we see him and and uh, Ms. Card. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when we play around there, they'll come out. And, Sweet and see us, yeah. It's always good to see him, and I I follow him on Instagram and keeping track of Lou. I I know one day he's gonna hit the big time, man. Amen. Yeah, Amen. he's it's just it's just a matter of time. Sweet, <laughs> Kevin. Thanks, appreciate it. Sure, man. Sure, thank you.